Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, folks, you're listening to The Hang, hosted by the Broadway Podcast Network. In this episode, I chat and reminisce with another member of the Lamez alumni and current Western phantom, Killian Donnelly. I always love hanging with Killian as his energy and humor is so infectious. He is truly one of the funniest guys I know. This hang really shows how diverse and crazy the life of an actor can be, from appearing alongside Sir Ian McKellen to performing at the Oscars or simply flying home to Ireland to be dad. Killian has done it all. Hope you enjoy. Killian Donnelly, welcome to the Yay! hang. Hi, <laughs> hi. Now we've started. Now yes. we've started. Well, I feel like we've we we did all our best bits before they said <laughs> rolling. Every every we just had a conversation and everything was like, will we save this for the podcast? Yes, we'll save this. <laughs> so then, now we've started. Now we start. I was really excited to be on this, by the way, because I because I've I've texted you and told you I'm listening. I am a fan of this. Uh, it was yourself and Hadley having a conversation. I remember. And it was the most inspiring thing ever because you can be heading to a show or I listened to a lot of it in lockdown and you know yourself how it was if you've, you want to kill an hour in lockdown, go for a walk, but just listen to, yeah, I suffered from that with my voice and I suffered from that. And when you hear people who inspire you talking about that sort of thing, it's, it's, yeah, it builds up your confidence. It's really nice. So when you gave me a call for this, I was like, yes. Yes, let's oh, do it. Come on, honestly, honestly, really, really. Well, I have to say, it, I I know what you mean when you hear other people who go through your the same trials and tribulations. It validates you thinking, oh, I am on the right path. Oh, I am human. Yeah. This is okay. But I never thought my this podcast would do that. So that mean it meant a lot to me when you did reach out because I was thinking maybe I should stop doing it. No, but I always do that as artists. I don't know. Sometimes you get on stage, you're like, what am I doing? But here's the, here's the thing that I wanted to ask you, because when you start with a podcast like this, it probably doesn't pick up until a few episodes or even a few years down the line that suddenly people discover it. Because I didn't know about it, and you were on, like, season two or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I started listening, and you go through all the people. So that's what, that's what grabbed me. I was like, how long have you been doing this? Oh, yeah, I was thinking of, you know, knocking it on the head, but we're going to do it. I was like, keep doing it. Earl Carpenter's one was brilliant. Oh, the, that was people, brilliant. He was, so, uh, he was so open and honest. Mm. And I think we definitely want to bring him back, and he wants to dive more into that. But, you know, I look up to Earl, as I'm sure you do, his resume. You know. Well, Earl was my second phantom because I did... Will we talk about Phantom? Will we just go straight in? You can. There's no uh, rhyme and reason with this. Oh, great, brother. Oh, great. You've heard the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Earl was my second Phantom. So I did Raoul in 2010. What a great year! It was the 25th year. Okay, you'll probably be familiar with it because you did um, a little what, gig in the Royal Albert Hall. What was that for the um, But I was Raoul in town at Her Majesty's, and I started with John Owen Jones, and he was finishing. I think a contract so I only had him for three months mm -hmm. then Earl Carpenter took over for six months then we went to the Royal Albert Hall and we had you then I came back to Peter Yoback to finish out my year oh that's so, beautiful isn't it so watching their music of the nights from the wings Christine Angel take my jacket I'm going to just watch the journey and I'm going to watch <laughs> music of the night but it was amazing to see how everyone did it completely different Mm -hmm. So my phantom is like 
a Nutribullet of the four of you. He's going, oh, you did that. Oh, that's good. I'll take that. And it, it, it's, it is amazing to see from the wings how the audience's reaction at different times. Earl was a master of stopping everything silent. Yeah. Stopping everything. And we all hung on to his in-breath. And we all breathe with him it was that was that was such a lesson of how he did that he's super brave on stage and he's a he's a master of his craft and he's you know it shows his experience shows he's done a ton of work Mm. there's a great confidence there i was given the phantom had that gorgeous tradition of saying goodbye to people and you would all meet in a dressing room and someone would do a speech and say farewell to them and someone came in, will you do Earl's speech? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So we all piled into his dressing room, the Phantom. We all just rocked in. He was like, what's happening? Out of my room. <laughs> we all stood. But it was amazing because I said, I've always said, if you want a lesson in acting, buy a ticket to see Earl Carpenter. Because oh. I, I, he was my first Javert, my first ever job. In 2007, I think was Les Mis, and Earl was Javert. His stars from the wings. It was... Uh, a lesson in just just deliver the text mm-hmm. you don't have to move you don't have to look angry you don't have to bang a table when you want to make a point just just deliver the text and hold the eye contact with the audience it reminded me of Billy Elliot where I was the brother Tony mm-hmm. and the associate director Julian Weber who has directed it with Stephen Daldry since the start he was doing a scene where I'm shouting at the coach because she's been taking Billy for lessons. And there's this amazing scene and I just have to deliver it. And he taught me when you've got a big, long monologue, allow for the previous thought to fire the next thought. So if you and I are in an argument, you get really angry and you're trying to think of the next thing. And also, why have you got that? And also another thing. And you have to build and build and build and build. But it doesn't mean that there's necessarily going to be a climax, a moment. It's just you're panicking and you're panicking. And he taught me that great lesson and I did it and I did it and I did it and I did it and I banged the table. And he went, oh, you ruined it. (laughs) I went, what? You ruined it. You banged the table. Yeah, because I'm angry. Yeah. But you would have held us if you hadn't have banged that table because we just would have hung on to your every word. But the moment you banged that table, we all went, ah, he's angry, he he lost us. He's lost our respect because he banged the table. It was such an amazing lesson. Earl always did that. Earl always held eye contact and stars. He would just stare at the audience. He wouldn't like bang the truncheon. He wouldn't have to move around. He would just focus. Oh my God, it was amazing, amazing. I feel like I should have had Earl Carpenter on this podcast. <laughs> He'll waffle about me. <laughs> what were you well, to do? He probably mentioned me a lot, did you? Not once. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> That's interesting because you guys, you and I have similar stories. When I was Raul, Earl was my phantom and I would watch from the wings. And uh, I, I was thinking the very similar thoughts, just how brave he was and how comfortable he was in his skin and the phantom skin. Mm. Would you watch thinking, I want to do that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was Andres, or I was a swing at the start, which was the best training I've ever had. People always ask me, where did you train? And I go, lame is, basically, because I never professionally trained. It was lame is. Built up my boy- voice, built up my confidence, and playing a character to a character to a character. And, oh, you're Fui tonight, oh, you're Kofrak tonight, oh, you're Comfort tonight, just changing every night. Um... And I would just, I'd constantly make it the route to go down and watch stars. And 
yeah, it was incredible just to see, like, he's not moving. Other Javers would, other Javers would come in, uh, understudies would go on, and they do an incredible job, but I was like, they're, they're moving. <laughs> they're moving, they're going. There was a lot of that, and I still think there is, where I've been an understudy and I've gone... Oh, he does this and he walks to the left. So will I walk to the right? Uh, oh, he doesn't put his foot in the chair. Maybe I'll put my foot in the chair. And I'm thinking, that's the wrong way to be thinking. Yeah. David Thaxton was my Andres and I was his understudy. And he was incredible. So I just went, right, I'm just going to copy what he does because it's perfect. Well, he's another one who's very, and I say this in the most uh, complimentary way, economical with his energy and physicality on stage because he's brave mm. less is more yeah but he's another student of the earls and the johns because right. he would have watched them from the, i'd go down to watching the wings and he'd be already there so i loved like, watching from the wings uh, i remember stage management lay Mays goes do you ever go to your dressing room I'm like what am i gonna learn in there yeah yeah what a what a a free education we had yeah and it was it was one of the Few shows. I've been lucky to do a few, but it was one of them where people go, are you not bored of watching it every night? No. No, you can't possibly. It's like Pulp Fiction because there's so many different little stories going on. Yeah. And then an understudy would go on. And then you change tracks, especially being a swing. Yeah. I remember we had so many people off when we revolved into the ABC cafe. There was Thacko and me. <laughs> it's a private school. And two guys ran in, so there was four of us. No, there was Thacko, me, and Grantair. But I remember Grantair went, we're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sometimes, because there would be days, you'd be, you think COVID keeps people off now. Back then, I'm like, we had more people off before COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so once, you know, the you at the barricade, listen to this. Now, sometimes, if there was no offstage swing... One of the students would be on there and they'd come on later, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it sat there. Nothing. And you see one of the students, fuck, <laughs> goes off and all, all, literally all hears, oh, you have no friends. <laughs> I was like, you should have just left it. <laughs> so here, like, uh, I pulled a prank on Earl and you can ask him about this and he didn't like it. Rightfully so, but it was his last day. So we were like on the last matinee, I was like, oh, what we do? So I said, I'm not going to show up for the warnings. I'm not going to show up. So Earl is standing there ready to go on as Javert, so he'll have to do it. But he did like the 10th anniversary timing. So it was very good. You were the barricade, listen to this. No one is coming. He was like, you were the barricade, listen to this. No, no one is coming. I was like, oh. oh no. And he went, I didn't like that. Yeah, I'm really, really sorry. I don't know again. <laughs> One of those things where this will be a brilliant idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why isn't anyone answering me? I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. One night um, in the attack on Rupert is that with the Tenardiers? Mm. This is hilarious. He's the whole fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I'm, I'm watching from the wings and I'm thinking, where's Tenardier? So Troy Sussman, Aussie actor, was in the cast. I think was on, oh, he was one of the gang members, but he was a Tenardi understudy. So he had the thought, well, I'll just start doing his lines and make it like a gang. Yeah. But he was thinking so moment by moment, he forgot his, he his forgot own Bobby lines. That he's are, about yeah. to do his lines. 
What do I care? Who you should rob? Give me my shirt. Give me the job. Or what other lines are? And then he's, you shut your mouth. <laughs> he's answering himself. So he's sounding like a schizophrenic attack on yeah, stage. Yeah. But at that point, he's like, I've committed. But I got to do all the lines now. I thought, look at him. What I had, a nutter. I had, um, because it was a swing, you had some business where you had to get rid of the rifles. You had to pretend to be hitting and you had to pass them down to stage management. And... I would because we were so down. I had to get all the rifles, so I looked like a gun runner, just running around, going, "Ah, oh, come on, they're fighting! Give me your rifle, yeah, they're fighting! Give me your rifle! Get her a rifle!" I was, I was just handing the rifle. Anyone in the audience would be like, "Why is he get rid of the guns? That's not how you win a war." We did a gun running thing because I did the lame is movie, and I remember it was a brilliant lesson in when you film and film and film and then you watch it and you go oh they've cut it it was a brilliant lesson because we did a whole day myself fra fee and gabriel vick i think it was and we did a gun running uh uh scene where where did the students get the rifles and the guns from so it was like us stealing them off the back of a car while someone's distracting and that was to play during and then we ran up uh, Rue Plumet and just running through all the cobbled streets and then we'd slam all the rifles and fold open this bag which had all the rifles <sighs> at Notre Dame the sections are prepared at Rue, and we're like this is going to be amazing <laughs> went to Leicester Square and we're watching it and we're beside each other nudging here it comes here it comes here it comes the time is near oh they've cut the whole thing <laughs> they cut the whole opening lines and you just get Andres going the time is near we're like ah they cut it we're cut we're cut <laughs> there I am <laughs> It'll be on the director's cut. Yeah, it'll yeah. Be on. No, they're, they're be smart. About six hours long. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll, we'll be in it, guys. Can we get that for our self tape at least for a showreel? <laughs> so, man, we jumped right in with all these stories, but I want to backtrack a little. Mm. So we're very much from the same school of learn on the job. Yeah, learn by doing. And like myself, Carl Wilkinson. Yeah. Was your guy. Yeah. He your was. dad got you a CD. Yeah. He was. Bring him home a music of the night. Yep. What at that point was singing music in your life? In your heart? Yeah. Music was definitely in the family. Mom sang, dad sang. Mom uh led a choir at the local church. Dad played guitar. There was two guitars and a broken piano in the front room and we called it the music room. Mm -hmm. We were never told to shut up singing. That was the thing. You could sing all the time in our house. It was never like, will you stop singing? There was never any of that. Um, so yeah, so there was always music. Um, and that's sort of, I'd, I'd like have slagging matches with my dad because he'd play Vince Gill or John Denver. And I go, that guy can't sing. Listen to his voice. And he goes, no, 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 listen to the lyrics, son. Mm. Listen to what he's saying. That's Annie's song. Or, or listen to this voice and listen to why that violin comes in there when his voice elevates to there. And that started changing. Oh, wow. Dad knew all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, Colin Wilkinson, stage heroes. And he just slides it across and he goes, track seven. Boom, 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 boom. And you just heard that falsetto voice for the first time. And I was like, what is this? And of course, CDs back, play it again, play it again, play it yeah. again, over and over and over again. And that was my... What is this? And it was Mam who said, that's a show called Les Miserables. It's on in London at the moment. And I was like, I need to hear the rest of it. I need... And it's amazing where that changed everything. 
But sport was a huge thing in my school. There's a, an Irish game called hurling, which is kind of like camogie. And it's, it's actually the fastest uh, sport with a ball in the world, hurling. Right. Something like that. Uh, but they have sticks. <clears throat> and uh, her, where I grew up, like people came out of the womb holding a hurley. And that's how it was. <laughs> and I just wasn't interested in it. So, But you couldn't be like, Why, what football team do you support? I want to sing. <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> uh, so in school, I remember I'd always lie. Our geography teacher would take a roll call. So, Sean, here, sir. And who do you support? Manchester United, sir. Oh, hard luck last weekend. <laughs> Uh, Killian, <laughs> here, sir. And who do you support? Liverpool. Oh, right. So you looking forward to next weekend? Am I? <laughs> We're going to score those football goals. Yes. <laughs> but um, but it was just it was just music, music, music. But in our school, you had to hang on after school to do music. Right. So I was like, I'm not waiting. I'm going home. You. It was never in the curriculum, which I think now it is. But um, yeah, it was art and and. Uh, Theatre was from my Amdram, the local amateur musical society. Wasn't that the funnest time though? Mm. Built up my confidence. I was uh, like able to talk to people. I think it was because I saw sport and the football lovers as oh, football, 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 musicals. What are you doing musicals for? Yeah. And then when I got into an Amdram, suddenly there were these beer-bellied, bald men with pints going, did you ever hear of Jesus Christ Superstar in 1976? I was like, I did. Oh, my God. Colin Wilkinson's amazing, isn't he? Well, back then it was C.T. Wilkinson. It was C.T. Yes. And to this day, my dad still refers to them as C.T. as if they're best mates. Do you want to hear a great story? So, Colin Wilkinson was playing at the Board Gosh, which is like the big theatre in Dublin. And I got myself and my dad tickets. And we knew his manager and... It's just one of those beautiful Irish moments. My dad's watching Colin Wilkinson. He goes, Jay, there's Jimmy Smith on guitar. And I went, what? Jimmy Smith, yeah. Who's, who's Jimmy Smith? Yeah, he lives across the road. Like, I was like, oh my God, what? Dad. So I texted the manager. And he said, yeah, come in back and you can say hello to Colin afterwards. I was like, oh, amazing. The place, the green room of the board, gosh, was packed. So Colin had just done a show and he's not going to be talking to everyone. I was like, Dad, we'll just shake his hand, say, well done, and we'll move on. I want to talk to him. Not that, like that. He's just, he's just, he's just done. He's just done. A, I'm saying hello. I'm saying hello to Colin. And everyone in that room, hi Colin. We saw you in Les Miserables at the point. You were amazing. Oh, thanks very much. Hi Colin. We uh, Les Miserables. We saw it. 1999. You played Valjean. Oh, we saw it at the point. And your father was insisting that I want to talk to Colin. Yeah, I want to talk to Colin. I'm going to say hello to him. Just say well done. Really enjoyed the concert, and we'll go. He's probably going to rest his voice. He's not going to talk much. My dad had seen Colm when Colm wasn't Colm Wilkinson. He was doing the pub runs. He mm. was doing the gigs with the guitar. And I can't remember the guy he used to sing with, but let's say John Riley. And my he came up and I went, hi, Colm. Uh, I'm Killian. I've met you before. Oh, Killian. Yeah, hi. How are you? Uh, this is my father. He introduced me to your music. Colm, I saw you in Old Ned's pub and you were with John Riley. And Colm went, oh, my 
God, that was like, what, 72, 75? It was 75. And you got up on the base bins at the end and you were playing the banks. Oh, my God, we always finish with the banks. Oh, that's going back. The arms folded. The two of them had this amazing conversation. There's, and then he went on to the next people. Hi, Colin, we saw you in the point. It was really, And I was like, yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. That must have been so refreshing for Colm. Yeah, and you just see the man because he must know that how people see him and he must get it all the time but he's so humble he's so pleasant and it's incredible it's incredible to see the man actually come out going oh we used to do that we used to actually be there every month and it was on the third Friday of the zone yeah we'd go and see you every Friday and I loved it I was like yes dad but dad got me into all that music and he came over to see me when I was in Les Mis uh, over and over and over again like proud of himself that he goes I've seen it 36 times and it's like oh, get a life oh my god dad go see something else um, and he would go and he'd go I'd go to see that matinee and then I'd go in that night as well I go well, you're not going to see it. I want to see Les Mis I've gotten you a ticket to Jersey Boys I don't want to see I, I don't know it I've never seen it just go and see another show other than Les Mis and he'd go see Jersey Boys be at our stage door afterwards and i go well geez, that's the most amazing thing I'd go and see that tomorrow now <laughs> So go see shows, Dad. I don't give me a ticket to Mary Poppins. Oh, it's absolutely British. She flies. She flies. (laughs) (laughs) She flew over me head. (laughs) And it's brilliant. Did, um, he, because you've had a nice reign with Les with many parts, whether it's covering or doing them. So, Andras, Javert, you've been on for. Yeah. You've played Valjean. Yeah. And all the students. So has your dad seen all those? Oh, yeah. Every single one. And mom would ring me and go, are you on tonight? I go, yeah, I'm on tonight. Who are you on for? It's pointless, you asking what character in Les Miserables I'm on for, but I'll tell you. Brujon. Liam, he's on for Brujon. What is it? Brujon. <laughs> Brujon. Oh, yeah, very good. They wouldn't know who it is. And then tomorrow I'm on for Kofarak. Oh, wow. What? Say that again for me? Pointless. He's just one of the students. Don't worry about it, man. Um, but they would, they'd love to come over and love to see it. And they're sort of... How did your dad feel when he heard you do Bring Him Home for the first time? Uh, dad, when did dad see me do it? I think dad didn't see me until I was uh, playing the role, possibly in Ireland. He would have heard me singing at concerts. Of course you did um, in Ireland as well on that tour. Yeah. So I was doing the original in London and the new as they call it, production, was going out on tour in 2019. And I was like, I want to do that tour. I want to do the new version. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a working actor, if I, if I come across as a good Valjean and I have that direction under my belt, I can help them out if, hey, it's going to Dubai for six weeks. Will you jump in and do Valjean? So it's that sort of a thing was where my head was at. But then they turned around and said, it's in Dublin for six weeks for Christmas. And the last person to play Valjean in Dublin was Colin Wilkinson. I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. So I got one of these lovely messages going, Cameron would like to take you out to dinner. And I was like, what? What are we going to talk about? That's exactly what I thought. Oh, what? Will I do that voice I do? Hey, how are you? (laughs) Will I be me? And immediately he just set the bar of everything was relaxed, everything was chilled. And we talked about everything but lame is. Awesome. Family. And exactly as usual, where did I start? And I asked him what got him into it. And he, he wasn't 
just being pleasant. He was answering my questions and talking. And it was just one of the most amazing, amazing dinners. And uh, a week later, I get the offer and I accept. And I had never seen like the UK. I'd been living in London for 12, 13 years, but I'd actually never gone as far as like Liverpool or certainly Edinburgh. And yeah, I wanted to do a tour and I wanted to do it. And it was the most incredible experience getting to sit down in six weeks in venues. I had a dog with me, so I took the dog with me on tour. Walking beaches and everything. It was just I think I would prefer touring England than a West End run. Yeah. Given a choice, if they're both like the same role maybe, England's got some beautiful spots. And of course, you're going on privileged conditions. You're seeing... You're well taken care of, but you see some great places. Unbelievable. Plymouth was the most beautiful place. Eastbourne? Abs- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, Eastbourne's great. Um, where did we oh, go? Oh, Plymouth, yeah. Or you go to like, I don't know, we were obviously lame as I don't think can fit in, in Bath, but you go to Oh, those do you want to hear a great story? I do. Okay. Strap in. <laughs> <laughs> we're in Newcastle. And what you know, a city. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you know when someone's in? Oh, someone's in. Apparently someone's in. Apparently someone's in. And at the start of Les Mis, we're rowing. And Lee Ormsby is beside me, rowing with me. How funny is Lee Ormsby? Well, here's the perfect <laughs> example. <laughs> have a good show. Yeah, have a good show. Okay, getting into my Valjani bits. Here we go. Ooh, I'm Valjean. I'm Valjean, about to row. Here we go. So Ian McKellen is in. What? Bomb, bomb. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is he in? Is he in? Where's he in? Where's he at? And then there's these line of boxes in Newcastle in the theatre. And we're like, that's where he is. That's where he is. That's where he is. So we're all performing to here. Brilliant. He's actually here. Nice. We only find out at the bows. We're like, oh, we were way off. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> that got the whole show. <laughs> he comes backstage, gives me a massive hug. Oh. And... I wish I was as well educated as that man on theatre because he gives me a hug and he goes, oh, and of course, Frank Mitchum. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the designer, the architect of the, he's the designer of the theatre. Right. So he's saying, yeah, worked. So I went, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And my arms around him and I was like, this is Terry McKellen, this is amazing. It wasn't until I go home, come in the next day, he's at our warm-up. He's doing yoga with all the cast, doing their warm-up, jumping jacks, and I'm going, what's he doing here? Since when does Liam is do physical warm-ups? I, well, we do it now for the new one. All right, okay. Um, so he, he's doing the warm-up and we're doing the vocal warm-up and I was like, what is happening? And Nick Greenshields, legend, was Javert. And he goes... He's in it today. I was like, what? He's in it. They all went out last night and he's in it. They had all gone out with him to the pub across the road and they said, you know, Dame Judy Dench uh, was in the show That's just right. for 40, 45 minutes. Well, if Judy did it, I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> and then he comes and what he, he set himself up as a character called um, Hugo Victor. Yep. Had an eye patch. Brilliant. And just did, blends in, blends in. Did the barricade. He was the oldest member of the barricade. He lifted a barrel, he sat there, and he was all the way up until bring him home and then let all the women and fathers go. He left. So he did the barricade. Just for one matinee, no one knew it. It was incredible. I've never heard that story. It was incredible. 
absolutely incredible. So he's been in Les Mis and he sent us all. And he was on the next night with his one-man show. Oh. And he invited us all to just sit in the wings and watch his show. Didn't give you a seat. Didn't give you a seat, rude. <laughs> It was like, we gave you a seat. We gave you a dressing room. We gave you a show. You can sit in the wings if you want. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah. But um, incredible. And the most amazing thing was how respectful he was, where I was the leading man. So I get a knock on the door. Hello, good house tonight. Uh, I had just done the soliloquy and was off and waiting to go on for Tenardier's Inn. Good house tonight? I was like, yeah, it's incredible. Okay, you, you sound amazing. And, and thank you. I'm, I'm very, really looking forward to doing the show. I was like, yeah, no, we're so happy to have you here. Yeah, but Ian, I'm in a quick change right now. So if you don't mind, uh, just <laughs> giving it that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, yeah. where, where am I signing? <laughs> it was beautiful. Really, really beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah, great lesson. Amazing. Hey, how tall is Nick Greenfields again? Six, I want to say six, seven. Six, six or six, seven. Because he was my... He was a standby Phantom when I was Phantom. Yes. And do you ever get that like, oh, I saw Phantom when you were there. I was like, are you sure you saw me? And yeah. I said, was I very tall? No, you saw me then. Yeah. <laughs> I get seen, people I, purposely telling me when I wasn't there. Brilliant. We went to see you in uh, Dublin, in Les Mis, but you weren't on. Then you didn't see me. Yeah, we, but we went to see you, but you weren't there. <laughs> I love that when you like, if you tweet, I'm doing this concert on such and such date and the comment will be, I'm not coming. I can't make it. Okay. Sorry about that, but I always do it for the fun. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's, that's me. I'm not going with me. Okay. I'll, I'll look out for that. Can I have a seat or am I watching from the wings? But with Nick, I ask about his height because as people who do know him, he's extremely tall, phenomenal talent, killer voice. Mm. Have you seen his fan kick? Oh, yes, I have. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Whack. It's like a wind turbine. Like, you feel the wind, but <laughs> yeah. it's straight. It's right up there. I was like, do that again. <laughs> he did it. Dressed as Javert for me because he knows my missus. They work together. And she actually said, ask him for that kick. I said, apparently you do a kick. And he's like, oh, all right. Whack. I was like, oh, I think I ripped something. It's amazing. Incredible. So let me see the time here. Okay, we still got time. So where did you grow up in Ireland? I grew up in a place called Meath, which Meath. when people ask me, where am I from? I go Meath and I go, it's right beside Dublin. And it is. It's like a 30, 35 minute drive from Dublin, but it was the countryside. It was, my father didn't want us growing up in a city because he, he didn't like the city. He grew up in the city and he mm -hmm. didn't like it. So he wanted to move out to the countryside where, as my mom says, we'd leave the 1st of June on the holidays, the kids were on holidays from school. She goes, the 1st of June, you would go out the door and I felt I wouldn't see you till August because you would just play. Climb trees. Uh, we had fields beside us. We'd go walking across fields with the dogs. We'd come back. Like, it was just the most incredible, incredible summers. Now I live in the city and I've lived in New York. And what are you doing with your day off? Oh, I'd like to go for a walk. Well, you can go to the walking area in Central Park. <laughs> so you go to that area where everyone is just walking, yes. where there was such a sense of freedom in the countryside. Yeah. And that's where you could sing. Like trying to, there was this abandoned, not abandoned, but like um, a monastery called Bechtavabi. Monks were there in like 409 AD. 
but we used to play army or hide and seek or chasing when we were kids but we used to sing and the cloisters area the echo and the reverb was just amazing so we would sing like I'd be one end and my friend Barry would be the other and we'd sing to each other really singing these massive massive things it was incredible that was our backyard see life and imagination before cell phones and social media yeah 100% we we made do as my mum said yeah, it was really, really amazing. I miss it. And now I have a kid. And now I'm going, oh, I'd love... I'd love him to just... Because he loves to run. You put him down and he's gone. So we try and find closed-in areas. And he just runs and runs. And you put a football in there, but he wants to pick a flower. You hold that and he runs and picks another flower. I was like, have you ever played Mario Brothers? <laughs> Way back. Dude, that's not even our garden, so... <laughs> um, pronounce my son's name. Well, how do you spell it? T A D. H G. So I think you spelt it wrong. <laughs> so your name is Ramin. Correct. What do people call you though, other than Ramin? Marine. Okay. Ramen. Okay. Killian, Kelvin, Klein, Kline. I get all the different versions of my name. So when I finally go, it's Killian in auditions or anything. Killian. Oh, it's a lovely Killian. That's how you pronounce it? Killian. So for the rest of the day on their casting, I'm known as Killian. Not such and such. I don't get hidden by a Dave or a John. I'm Killian. So it already stands out. So I was like, oh, I'd love to give him an Irish name, but I'd love it to stand out. So everyone always asks me, how do you pronounce it? And once they know, they know. And it's Tig. It's like a tie you wear and put a G at the end, Tig. Beautiful. So the D and the H, it means philosopher and poet, all these things. Oh, but we mate. were literally Google, what about such and such now? What about such and such? Tig. Tig Donnelly. Oh, that's Donnelly. pretty cool. Oh, so, that boy, it boy works is when set you're, up. When you're screaming at him, Tig. It's perfect for him. Tig. Dad, I want to be an accountant. No, you don't. Not with a name like Tig. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So that's where it comes from. Yeah. How old is he now? Tig is. What date is today? 19 months. Oh, May, not even yeah. two years. So you know when you get the, this was you last year? Yeah. The, on your phone or something like that? He's a baba and he's in my arms and I'm like, oh my God. But now he is mobile and racing around the place. How has that transition been? Being an actor as a father with a young and now? Um, well, I would look up to the likes of you. I would look up to Hadley. I would be in a show and I go, if you can do a West End show or a tour or be a working jobbing actor and support a family, that's the most incredible thing ever. Because uh, I'd always be like, oh, maybe I wouldn't be able to do it. But having conversations to go, look, if you, you're going to be a father. If you want to be a father, be a father. And the rest, you sort of find it being an actor. It just happens. Um, we were three weeks on the Phantom Tour and it closed due to COVID. That's so right. March 16th, we closed. Tig was born April 17th so a month later and so I got the first 18 months of Tig. <laughs> it was beautiful so I had Louise for a month pregnant then he came and in Ireland you weren't allowed to go two kilometres from your house so it was just the three of us and everyone has said who's had kids they go that's actually really nice because when your child goes for a nap you want to relax but nine times out of ten, people are coming over to see the baby, mm-hmm. and you're making tea, and you're making food, and you're you're help you're being a, a nice host. But your child is sleeping. No one could be there, so we got time for ourselves, time as a family. We'd walk around. It was 
really, really special. And I miss that moment. We always talk about, oh, wouldn't it just be lovely to go back to when he was just a baba and it was just the three of us. Mm. Um, yeah, a lot of people say, oh, I miss those moments. I never get that. It's been hard because they're at home in Dublin and I've, I'm over here for Phantom. Are they? So they came over for the summer and Louise is working there. So it was never going to be a thing, right, daddy works and mammy stopped working. It was always going to be, no, you keep working and we make it work. So we have a house in Dublin and I have a place here. So I'm going back every Tuesday as our day off. So I go back every Tuesday and I'm back every Wednesday. Holy shit. And people say holy shit, but if I get a 9am flight, I'm in my house for 10.30. Perfect. So it's, we live close to the airport because Dublin's tiny. We live 10 minutes from her parents. So there's all the babysitters. And I think after 18 months, when you get a phone call going, look, they'd like to offer you a phantom in the West End. You're like, I'm 100% doing it. Yeah, 100% doing it. And Louise was the one, you need to do it. But also financially, we're like, we, we, we need money because he's selfish and likes to eat every yeah. day. Freeloaders. Every day. My kid's 17 years old. Get, get out. Go get a career. Go get a career. Dad, I'm 14. I- get a career. <laughs> We can call you Tig for nothing, okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do something with it. Yeah. Shouldn't have called him Jaden. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, but that's it. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's, there's so many hard days, usually a Thursday or a Friday, because I'm, I see them on a Wednesday, but I'm going back to work. The Thursday or the Friday is the lonely day. Two shows on a Saturday, you're just busy doing yeah. it and she's working. But the Friday is like, uh, Louise is off. So she's just, playing with them and they're out in a park or they're out by the beach and I'm like oh let me really get that FaceTime that. call that doesn't have great reception can yeah you yeah I can hear it yeah oh, it's the chin yeah 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 you okay can I just see him yeah hang on Tig and he's on the back of the couch watching Moana <laughs> all right cool <laughs> right we've checked in I'll call later it's that it's that <laughs> and he's nearly two and the terrible twos are like ah everything's a moan I know. Everything's a moan. Yeah. So I'm delighted I'm here. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> no, but at least now when you do see him, it's like quality time and then it's phantom time. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. Like he, uh, they, like Louise goes to the park with him at about when I land. So I meet them in the park and there is that magical movie moment where he's like running over oh, to Dada. Man. Yeah, it's cool. And by that time he's ready for a nap. Yeah. And am I? Hang on. Right. I hugged him. Um, I go for a nap. I know. It's brilliant. It's amazing. But they've been over here. So when Louise gets, uh, she teaches in a stage school in Ireland. So when she gets holidays, she gets like a week, a week and a half off. She comes over here with him. And he's been on like four or five flights now. Six episodes of Fireman Sam and a few snacks. He just sits on mommy's lap and 45 minutes is the flight and they're oh. here. It's bliss. Sounds like you're getting a good balance of both worlds. You know? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It's that thing of let's just live in the now rather than well, what are we going to do in five years? I've never been like that. It's always been an email comes through. You're doing this promo. You're doing this. You're doing Phantom. Oh, wow. Amazing. Okay. It's always that. I go from day to day, week to week. And uh, yeah, with family, it's been like that and it's working beautifully. And it, as you said, it just falls into place. Mm. You're a good guy. You work hard. It's what we signed up to do. That doesn't have to stop. And it's just, you, you adjust with things that come in your way and, you know, you, you add to your family and that's, you know, we're not the first actors that do that. I right? know. And yeah. that's the thing. That's why it was, I'd always ask people, how's your kids? So yeah, we're looking for a school for them at the moment. And like they're dressing, putting on tights as Tenardier. I was like, wow, incredible. And 
uh, I'm working with Adam Linstead, who's the most incredible actor. He plays Andre, and he has a five-year-old, and he, or a five or six-year-old, Rory, came to see the show last night. Oh. But you could see Adam was like, hey, he's in watching. And he texts me at the interval saying, the Phantom is so cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, amazing. Things like that are incredible. I, I, because now I think, oh, Tiggy will get to see Daddy on stage. That'll be amazing. And he might be like, useless. And he went flat there, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Go pick flowers. <laughs> get out of here, kid. Tyke. Oh, we're going to wrap up soon. But do you remember, um, can you believe we performed at the Oscars? Ah, oh, again, day to day, week to week. My agent rings me and goes, this might be happening, but it's probably not happening, but it might be happening. Well, what is it? I can't tell you, but you need to fill out a visa and all these forms and then head to the American embassy and all. I was like, okay. And I arrive and there's all the lads. I was like, hey, how's it going? We fill out forms and that's when a representative from Cameron's tells us, okay, it's to sing at the Oscars. We're like, what? Okay, how, how, okay, you'll be working for two days and we're sending you to LA for 10 days. <laughs> we're like, okay. And I'll never forget, we checked into the W Hotel yeah. in LA and they went, okay, welcome. Uh, we just need to put a $700 deposit. And we were like, we don't have $700 <laughs> on each of our cards. So we're there like sending money. Can we have the Wi-Fi code? Because we have to send money over and we got $700 as a holding. And then we were there and... Yeah, it was just the most incredible day. I remember in Capitol Studios, where we were rehearsing at the recording studio, yeah. laughing all the time. It was so much fun. And then I remember, make sure you leave your music when you leave the room. <laughs> no problem, no yeah. problem. You and I go to the washroom. And I'm like, and you're like, what's that? I'm like, the music. <laughs> Still in my hands. You're like, oh. <laughs> Ramin, did you give the music? Yes, yeah, sir. No bother. <laughs> I remember looking in another room and there was Seth MacFarlane learning a dance. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. We did two days and then as we, as we performed, do you remember Seth came off stage and you and I spoke to him? Yeah. And he came off and I went, well done, it's going really well. <laughs> Thinking he'd just go thanks, but he turned around and he went, really? And, I, and then you just took over and you went, man, it's so good. That opening with Shatner was brilliant. And I was like, oh, his opening with Shatner was very good. I was just trying to repeat. This is Killian. He's had a good day. He's seen yeah. a bus. Yeah. <laughs> It's very good. You're so talented, man. I remember coming off stage and there was um, Jamie Foxx. I just come around the corner. He's like, dude, that was awesome. I'm like, Jamie Foxx. Yes. yes, when we were rehearsing as well, I remember over the God mic, you could hear, okay, can you move a bit to your left, Killian? Who's in front of you? Bradley Cooper. Okay, because their headshots were in the yeah. chairs in rehearsals. Okay, move further to your left. Who have you got now? Jennifer Lawrence. And behind her, Robert De Niro. Okay, is that okay for you? That's your eyeline. I was like, that's absolutely fine. That's yeah. absolutely fine. But a huge influence to me and many is Steven Spielberg. And he was there with Lincoln and I could spot him over there. Yeah. I remember going, this is insane. Do you remember Cameron was walking up to the cameraman going, make sure you get, because he wanted as much as the principals, all the ensemble scene as well. Yeah. He was there with a coffee going, make sure you get him. And Ramin will come out and make sure the camera, and the cameraman was going, who, who are you? I'm, I'm getting notes from my director. Just pan there. And I, before the actual show, I stood where Hugh Jackman walks on. And I stood there and I was like, oh, I hope this goes well. And I just stood there and Hugh just went, are you, are you? And I went, yeah, I'm on for you. It was a last minute change. And he went, oh, he just played with it. He went, oh, okay. well, best of luck. I really wanted to do it. I know, I know. <laughs> but look, they said they need an unknown. They wanted me. So, okay, all right. What'll I do? You just hang back. Just hang back. All right, appreciate it. Get out of the way. <laughs> they like, were so nice. And I remember you were 
really close with Russell Crowe and I guess you told him I jam and play music oh, too yeah. and he walks over I hear you play music I said I try <laughs> and he goes I'm staying at such and such hotel under such and such name see you tonight I was like giddy up yeah but I had to go on tour the next day yeah. so I couldn't make it I'm at my hotel you phone me and you say where are you buddy I said I'm packing I got to go on tour he's like Russell's asking for you I was like my heart broke I'm yeah. like he gave a shit yeah amazing yeah and that was a massive sing-song that night. I don't know. It was amazing. It was cool. <laughs> and, you know, it was that thing. People got... Steve Guttenberg walked in the door. Oh. And I went, Mahoney! <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Natalie Imbruglia was there. It was just this incredible people sitting at a piano, playing some songs, having a jam. And he just whispers in my ear, you better get your party piece ready. And I was like, oh, I don't have a party, but you better get your party piece ready. And I sang this song called Five for, uh, by a band called Five for Fight and Superman It Ain't Easy. I can play it on guitar piano. Did that. More, more. I was like, I've got one song. I don't have another song. Just play something. God on high. I was like, oh, God. I had to kill a room. I had to kill a room to sing songs and bring them home. But they listened. They were lovely and applause. But um, that was the most incredible, incredible experience. Yeah. Brother, I want to talk to you for ages. Will you come back at yeah, some point? Yeah, 100%. Love to. We're t there's so many stories and I, w I want to talk about how do you warm up? I'd, you know, like there's yeah. so much we'll get into. And yeah. But I love your stories and I love your energy and I love you. I'm so glad we get to hang. Two real quick questions. Yeah. What made you smile yesterday? Uh, my son, seeing my son on FaceTime. Beautiful. And we've t spoke about this, but first childhood memory that comes to your mind that makes you smile. Uh, oh, wow. It immediately went to seeing Jesus Christ Superstar when I was 11 years old. And I remember seeing, it was in Navin, and they had the harness under Judas and he was just there hanging. And I remember that image not being oh, that shocking, just being like, how do they do that? That's incredible. And just hearing, mm. poor Judas. I was like, that was incredible. Beautiful. Once a theatre kid, always a theatre kid. Absolutely. You looking forward to the Liverpool game this weekend? I can't wait for them to score all those point goals. <laughs> Touchdown! <laughs> Take care, brother. You too, man. Thanks. You've been listening to The Hang. I am Ramin Karamloo. The Hang is produced by Mercy Productions and Desert Highway and recorded at Soho Live Studios. Check out my new app. Go to ramin.fan.direct where you can find brand new content, giveaways, and exclusive news. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.